helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Many people have a hard time accepting and dealing with challenges as they arise. For many people, they're afraid, which causes them to run away from their problems. Sometimes it's because it's difficult to accept the reality that someone's living in, or maybe you're running away because you don't know what to do next. Or maybe you're worried that if you confront that challenge, it'll actually make things worse. Last week, we began to explore the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar. And this week, we're going to be continuing with that conversation in part two of our Confronting Challenges series. My name is Melissa Waggett, and I'm the co-host of the Life Transformation Radio Show. I want to give you all a very warm welcome to this week's episode. I'm so excited that you've decided to join us this morning. As I said, this is part two of our Confronting Challenges series, and this is part of a bigger series that we've been exploring called The Foundations for a Godly Family. If you want to listen to part one of this episode or any other episode in our Foundations for a Godly Family series, I encourage you to visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com, or you can call us toll-free at 1-877-544-3546, and we'd be happy to connect you with copies of past episodes or answer any questions that you may have. So I really do encourage you, if you have missed part one, Go and listen to it on our website. It really was a great show. We've already received some good feedback. So thank you very much for everyone who's passed along your kind words. And this week, as I said, we're going to be continuing this conversation and exploring more about how Sarah, Abraham and Hagar confronted the challenges they faced. And more importantly, learning from the lessons in the story and applying those truths to our lives today in the challenges that, frankly, you and I will face Um maybe today, tomorrow, within our families and beyond, because the one unfortunate thing of life is challenges are guaranteed, Um, but we're going to learn hopefully better ways to deal with those challenges. And I'm not going to be exploring this topic alone. You're not going to just hear from me. Michael Hart is with me in studio as always. For those of you who have not met Michael on the air or in person yet, he is the director of Elam Counseling Ministries. He's also a certified psychotherapist and he joins us each and every week to explore these topics. And I am so excited to be in studio again with you, Michael. Melissa, I was just beginning to get comfortable listening to you do such a wonderful introduction. I could just sit here and listen to the words roll off your tongue after we had to do a couple of takes to get started. But that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll join you on this show. That's good. I'm glad you're here. It wouldn't be the same without you. And I'm excited to continue this conversation because we started to explore this story from Genesis Genesis. 16 tongue twister this morning and we began to pick apart the story that for many is familiar i would say but those psychological truths and how we can pull from these old stories and and determine practical things that happen here that we can apply to our lives just today i always find so fascinating and so we began to look at the relationship that this couple i guess Tropical? What would be this this triangulated couple with yes, Sarah yes, Triangulation. The big triangulation, how yes. it, it played out. And we're going to continue talking about that today. 
Yes, absolutely. And I would like to say that I thank you for those of you listeners who have called to say that you really enjoyed part one. And in part one, we, we talked about this conflict that is in the family of Sarah and Abraham, the, the challenge of, of childlessness and the solutions that they embarked on in trying to solve that conflict. And we we see that there were certain approach to problem solving that we discussed in in part one. And many of our listeners call to say that they can identify with those methods of problem solving that they can see in their own family. So when we talk about these biblical stories, we are not just talking about issues that are on some ancient uh, manuscript that pertains only to people thousands of years ago. These there are real, very solid truth here that truths that we can draw from that can help us today. And so I'm really very inspired that many of our listeners found the the the, the methods to problem solving to be eye opening for them what they're doing wrong in their relationships. And so to start off today's show, we wanted you wanted to spend some time looking about at the part of the story where the angel appears to right. Hagar yes. after she's f- fled to the desert. And so what is significant about this story and why did you want to begin here? Well, there are two difficulties in the second part of the story that is going to be part of what we will be focusing on today. And the first difficulty has to do with the angel sending Sarah back into, not Sarah, but Hagar back into the abusive situation. And I'll just read that, that, that portion that we're going to be focusing on today. And it's from Genesis chapter 16, starting at verse 7. And verse 7 and following reads, And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the way to shore. And he said, Hagar, Sarah, maid, where are you coming from and where are you going? I am fleeing from my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to your mistress and submit yourself to her. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply your seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for a multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shall bear a son, and shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard thy, thine affliction, and he will be a wild man, his hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So we have a couple of difficulty here in this passage, and the first difficulty, as I said before, is why did the angel send Hagar back into the abusive situation? And the second difficulty is with this, what seems like a curse that the angel is pronouncing on the unborn child Ishmael. So today, as we explore this passage, passage from a psychological perspective, we're going to be looking at these two difficulties through psychological lens and shed some uh, insights onto what is going on in this story and how those factors apply in 
in relationships today in which there is abuse and conflict. And so you were able to pick up on something interesting in the beginning of that passage that you read. And that was the the question that the angel asked. And there's some profound things that you've been able to pick out in the way that question was phrased. Because when you read it, he kind of knew the end of the story, but he still asked this question. And why is that important for this story and how it plays out? So I think we know from Scripture that when God or his messengers, his angelic beings, ask you a question, that it's not because they don't know the answer. No, they've read the I last th- page of the book already, right? right? right. They, they know the answer, but these these questions are meant for us to explore something about ourselves, the, the subconscious part of ourselves that we are not always in touch with. And so, for example, when the angel appeared, when God appeared to Adam in the garden and said, Adam, where art thou? It's not that God is searching the garden and going, oh, wonder where, where Adam is. I can't find him. Right? Or, or when the, the angel came to Cain, when, when God appeared to Cain and said, uh, and said, where is your brother? It's not like God didn't know where Abel was, but God wanted in these two incidences, in the instance of Adam and in the instance of Cain, for them to look deep within and see what's going on psychologically and their reaction and how they're reacting to a situation that might not be the best reaction. So we fast forward to our story today and the angel's question to Hagar is where are you from and where are you going? That's a very deep and profound question. And if you are in an abusive relationship, if you're in a relationship in which there is abuse or other other dysfunction, it's important for you to be able to to answer that first part of the question, where are you from? And it's not a location question. It's a psychological question that Hagar missed. Because if we noticed, when the angel started telling her what they knew, what what he knew about her, it wasn't a location. It was, I have seen your affliction. I know your misery. I know you are pregnant. And these are important points because a lot of times people who are in abusive situation, they don't know the depths of what they're going through. They might think they know, but they don't know what the depths. For example, there are some people who, when they the relationship finally get to a place where they've been abused and they have to go to courts and they have to write out a history of what they have been through in this relationship. Some people, uh, some of my clients have said to me, Michael, it's when I wrote it down for this first time that I finally realized how bad the situation I was in, how bad it is, and I should have left a long time ago. So when the angel said, where are you from? It's, it's what's going on emotionally for you, not just not just in the relationship with 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 Sarah and Abraham, but in your life in general. So if I were to ask that question to you, my listeners out there 
today, that question, where are you from? It's what are some of the baggage that you might be carrying from your childhood that affects you? What are some of the conditions in your household that might have predisposed you to be in this relationship that you're in? We know that a lot of women, they tend to marry men who are like their father. So where are you from is not what relationship you're running away from in the present, but also what, how has your childhood predisposed you to, to find the kind of partner that you're now with? Because until you can answer that question in this deep way, you might not be able to deal with the, the, the conflict and the challenge in a way that you can overcome it. And so I'm wondering if you can explore a little bit about that as a bit more where why is it so important to have these questions answered? Because for many people, it's I'm turning my back on the past. It's old news. I'm moving forward. Moving forward is the priority. Yes. So why is it so important to look backward? Because it this yes. was the first question we see the angel ask is, where are you from? And then he asks, where are you going? Yes. Why don't you just go to where you're going? Because that's, that's the moving on part, right? Right, right, right. So the, the, the answer to that is that sometime until you know the root cause of your problem, you cannot really make that transition into a new place where you overcome that problem. So, for example, when when Jesus was dealing with the the man by the the the, the pool of Bethesda, Jesus asked him a question that sounds like a redundant question again, but 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 Jesus wanted to stir something in him subconsciously. So the question Jesus asked him in John chapter five is, "Do you want to be made whole? You're positioning like you want to be made whole. You're by the pool. You you can't. You're, you're here day after day. But is there something going on in your subconscious that makes you comfortable in your misery? That make you position as if you want to make that transition, but you're not really ready to make the transition. And sometimes knowing where you're from. In that case, this man, knowing that he was he he didn't have many skills because of of his handicap. So being if he's made whole, where is he going to how is he going to make a livelihood? And this is something that he had to consider. Do I really want to be made whole? Because with being made whole comes changes, comes challenges comes uh, on tried situations and a lot of times people stay in the dysfunction no, in the dysfunction that they're in because they don't like where they're going. They, they don't know where they're going and it's an unknown and so they prefer to stay with the devil they know than as the saying go with the devil they don't know. Mm-hmm. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Radio Show. This week is part two of our Confronting Challenges series. If you've missed the first half of today's episode, we encourage you to visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can call us toll free at one 877 5443546. We also remind you to listen to part one of this series while you're on our website if you happen to miss that as well. So, Michael, you, you, as you were describing these conversations that we see throughout the Bible, I'm actually picturing it like counseling sessions that are going on in scripture mm-hmm. and how sometimes it takes that skilled, que- 
questioned right. by an outside party to make you reflect on something yes. you don't even know about yes. yourself yet, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and how powerful those types of questions are, mm. and the transformation that can can come and from that, it. And that is so true, Melissa, because in the second part of the question, when the when the angel asks, "Where are you going?" What was happening is that the angel is trying to show Hagar that the, the, the reaction that you're having to your problem, the way you're confronting your problem, it's an emotional response where you're running, but you don't have a plan, where, you, you, where you're running, but you have no idea how to get from point A to point B. And in that, in that kind of a situation where she's 150 miles from her homeland, Egypt, according to some scholars, and she's without food and she's without water and she's pregnant, it's very unlikely that she's going to be able to, to make it to that point. So the question where you're going is a question that takes uh, a, a reflection, a time to reflect on what kind of plans do I need to put in place if I'm going to leave this abusive situation? What what kind of steps do I need to take? And it cannot be an emotional situation because if you a reaction because if you make an emotional reaction, it's not going to last. So many people in the heat of the moment will say, "I am leaving," and then once that emotion subsides, they stay in the abusive situation and they remain there for years to come. And so. That statement there leads kind of into my next question, which is kind of puzzling a little bit, is why did the angel send her back? Because after he asks this question of her and she says, I'm running away from Sarah, he he encourages her to go back, knowing that the situation was less than ideal. What what do you make of that? I think on, on, a, on a, a psychological level, we know, for example, that women who leave abusive situations don't leave the first time that they run away from the situation. Studies show that the, the average abused woman leave a relationship seven times before they actually leave for good. And there are many factors that are behind them going back into the abuse. But I think in general, what this going back shows is that they're not psychologically ready to, to make the transition. Some people go back because they feel that they can survive on their own. Some people go back because they have this, this bonding with their abuser that is called the Stockholm Syndrome, where, where they, they love the abuser more than they love themselves. And they find all kind of reason why the abuser is a good person. And so I think that the angel realized that Hagar was not ready to make that transition. And if you're not ready to to do something, God is not going to force you against your will to do it. So I think at that point, she wasn't really ready. Later on in the situation, we'll see that God took her out of it. But at that point in the story that we're reflecting on today, Hagar was not psychologically prepared to make that transition. She was making an emotional reaction where she was running in a, in, in a pregnant state, but she was not emotionally prepared to move on. And so I think that's the first part. And the, the second part is that the angel knows that if you're not psychologically ready to leave an abusive situation, you're going to end up back in the same situation or in another abusive situation. So I, I think it's just a way to saying you're not 
not ready yet, Hagar. You need to go back. There are some things there that you need to work through with your mistress before you can transition away from that relationship. Maybe she needed to become stronger. Maybe she needed to develop better self-esteem. Maybe she needed to grow spiritually before she could take on that, make that transition to a better place. And so you said off the top, we're going to spend some time in the show looking at the um, the proclamation, so to speak, that the angel made over Ishmael's life in this story. And this is a theme that uh, we've talked about over the past number of weeks as we've gone through our Foundations for a Healthy Family series. It's that concept that we see in the Bible where it seems like these curses are pronounced and they come out of nowhere. But you're 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 encouraging us to challenge that assumption that these curses are coming out of the blue and it's kind of mystical and magical. But there's some psychological principles that we can draw from some of these so-called curses that we see in Scripture. Yes, yes. So when we looked at the story of, of Cain and Abel, for example, we said that Cain, by killing his brother, was killing the very thing to which he could aspire and be like, the model of success, of how to be productive and how to, to make sacrifices to God and how to be prosperous. So when you kill the very thing that you strive towards, you're actually killing the chance of your success. So when the angel said that Cain was going to be cursed and that the ground that he would work would not bear fruit for him. It's another way of saying you're sabotaging yourself. And so I think it is similar in in this story where the curse has a psychological explanation. When you think of it, the child, Ishmael, who is going to be born in this home environment in which there is this strife between his mother and Sarah, and where Abraham is taking sides, is standing more with, with, with Sarah, and where he's going to be born into a situation where eventually Isaac is going to come along and he's going to be a second-class child in his own home. And he's going to witness the, the abuse of his mother and, and, and the, the mistreatment of his mother and, and maybe suffer neglect in certain ways. It is not surprising that that child is going to have emotional baggage, is going to have anger in the long run. And so when the, when the angel said that this child within you is going to be a wild donkey of a man and his hand is going to be against everyone, the angel is in fact saying, Sarah, you're going, you've been through some afflictions and the afflictions that you have suffered in your household is, is creating an environment in your womb where this child is going to be born with some disadvantages. But God sees him and I, and I am here to let you know that God still has a purpose and a plan for you and for your child. So the, the curse in this in, uh, of Ishmael isn't some mystical thing that is happening because we know, for example, from one big study that was done, uh, what was done by by the by Kaiser. It's called. Uh, it's a it's a disease. It's a study that looked at adverse childhood effect, and it, it looked on over 17,000 people over the years from 1995 to 1997. And the A study, that stands for adverse childhood effect, shows that when a child grows up in a household where there is abuse, whether physically, emotionally, or sexually, 
or or there is neglect, physical or emotional neglect, or a household in which there is dysfunction, such as his mother being treated violently, or that there is divorce, then if you have three or four aces, then it sets you up for lack of impulse control later on in life. And so what we are seeing from this story is that the angel saying to Hagar that your child is going to be angry, it's no surprise. Anger is a form of impulse control. And the ACE study, uh, which is a very comprehensive study, show that children who are born in this kind of household have a lack of impulse control. But we also know from other studies, for example, in one article that was published in the American Journal of Psychiatry, that when a child uh, have forms of of maltreatment in their household or witness forms of maltreatment in their household. This study, and I'm quoting from the words of this study, it was published in June 2006, Volume 163. This study says that there is a robust effect of the broad abuse categories on anger and hostility. So this is basically what the angel is saying, is that this child, is that, that what, what is happening, this maltreatment is going to have a, have a big effect on the child's uh, display of anger towards others. So again, the curse is, is God seeing the future and saying, this is what is going to happen, but don't worry, I'm still in control. And what that makes me think of is back to that original question of the angel where it said, where have you come from? I'm thinking about Ishmael and his future self. At some point, he'll have to reflect and say, where did he come from? Yes, yes. And knowing the experience of all this and having that in light uh, uh, at front of mind can speak right. to why he is the way Absolutely. he is. That's it's such that an where did he come from? Absolutely. That's such an important point, Melissa, because where what makes him angry? Where is he coming from, as you said, is a home environment that sets him up to be this man, this wild donkey as a man, as the angel described him. But let me say this. We are not saying this show to make you, anyone that is from this kind of household feel as if there is some kind of uh, curse over them that they, 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 they can't do anything about it. Because I think God is saying this to, 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 to Hagar as a way of saying, this is what's going to happen, but God still sees you. So the name that she's given to God in that narrative that we read last week is Jehovah Roy, which means the God who sees. So if you if you have been through a situation or you're from a, a background where you've had these things happening, the first thing that you can take comfort in is that God didn't abandon you. God saw your suffering. God was with you the whole time you're going through that. And the second thing is that we serve a God who can take this adverse situation and can turn them into strengths if we allow him. So if you are listening to this show today and you said, yes, that sounds like my background, the idea is not to use this as an excuse to say, you know, this is how I'm going to be. Because it, it, as we discussed the story of Cain, we saw that God didn't just say, Cain, this is going to happen to you. God appealed to him before and said, if you do well, your situation can change. Mm. 
And so it's it's still in this case, it's applied to you listening to the show today, that it doesn't matter the background you're from, you can change by getting the right kind of help and making a, a, a distinct effort to not act the way that your wounds, your psychological wound predispose you to act. But what I'm seeing in Christendom is that there is a, a, a there are a lot of people who hide behind the cross. And what I mean by this, they say, you know, I don't need to do anything about my wound. It's all taken care of at the cross. And so everyone around them can see the dysfunction except for them because they have sort of convinced themselves that they have it all together when everyone else is going on. What's wrong with this person? And so I think it's very important if you can identify with any of what we have talked about in the show that you get help. And if you do want to reach out for help, we encourage you to give us a call at one 877 544-3546 or you can always visit our website at elamcounselingministry.com And we want to remind you that this is a listener-funded broadcast so if you would like to to make this broadcast broadcast possible for years to come then please do consider making a donation to this ministry uh, you can find out more about how to make a donation by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com elim is spelled e-l-i-m counseling with two l's ministry.com or you can call us at 1-877-544-3546 to find out more about us or about this show or any other topic that you would like to discuss. So until next time, this is your host, Michael Hart of Elam Counseling Services, praying that God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Music